What is going on, guys? Welcome to Real Men Talk. Today, we're going to be finishing the manhood on the mount. We're going to be talking about uh, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be going through it. This is the last chapter of, uh, of the Sermon on the Mount. So I want to let you guys know right off the top, if you've not listened to the last three episodes, you guys need to stop. Go back and listen to the last three episodes. The first one we covered, uh, the Beatitudes. The second one we finished chapter 5. Uh, the third one, we did Matthew chapter six, and today we're going to be doing Matthew chapter seven. And so if you've not listened to those, if you've not read through, um, the Sermon on the Mount, you need to do so. You kind of get lost if you haven't. Um, and so we are excited to, to go ahead and finish this up. We're excited. We're hoping this is good for you guys. Uh, I'm here with Kyler. So let's get started on Real Men Talk. Welcome to Real Men Talk, discussing the tough issues facing men and their families every day. Here are your hosts. What is going on, guys? Welcome to Real Men Talk. So today, today we're going to be finishing up Manhood on the Mount. Again, I want to give Kyler props for the name. It's great. I love it. Manhood on the Mount. We'll be talking about Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew chapter 7. Uh, again, I kind of said in the slate, but if, if you've not, if you've not listened to the last three episodes, you guys need to go back and listen to the last three episodes. You need to, uh, to check those out. You need to read through the Sword of the Mount, Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. Um, you, you know, we've been, we've been talking about this theme of Jesus changing the culture through, through this. And, uh, I think that when you read this and you're going through it, and if you, if you do a, any kind of study on it, you need to do, you need to take that study from that point of view and understand that the reason why this is so vitally important is because Jesus was trying to change the culture and he's even still trying to change the culture today. Yes, exactly. And as we get into chapter seven, I mean, he's talking about our relationship with man We've talked about in chapter five, you know, the first two podcasts, we were talking about the heart issue. We had to change our hearts in order to, and with one, with his sermon on the Mount, I love, and I'm going to backtrack a little bit, is that he puts everything in a specific order. Yes. This has to happen first to prepare you for the next step. And that's exactly how God does. He's the God of order and nothing that he has deemed or ordained is going to be without the order that he has put forth. But he, we talked about chapter six was dealing with our relationship with God. And now we're getting to our relationship with man and how exactly we need to start um, developing ourselves to each other. And what we need to seek is back in, back in um, when this was, when he was talking about this, they had started and we're starting with verse one, they started judging each other. And that was, was a big thing that he starts condemning hypocrisy because this, this was a big thing that was prominent in first century Judaism. Um, and he fits this back with the Beatitudes where it should, the mercy need to show mercy in order to receive mercy. But those who are merciless receive no mercy, which just comes from James two thirteen. But he goes through and he's, he's saying we can't treat others and then expect them to treat us a different way. That's right. We're going to give, you're going to give what you get kind of goes with respect. You want to get respect, you got to give respect. And that's what he's kind of getting into here is we can't just start doing things and then expect a different outcome. Right. For people to treat us differently. That's right. You know, and in Matthew chapter seven starts off with probably the, the most abused verse of the entire Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times have you heard, you can't judge me. The Bible says, don't judge. Don't judge so that you won't be judged. Right. And this whole uh, verse one through six, he doesn't tell us not to judge. Okay. Mm-hmm. He teaches us 
how to judge. Right. Right. So hey, for you will be judged by the same standard in which you judge others and you'll be measured by the same measure as you use. What would it look like or why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite. Listen, th- this is vitally important. First, okay, first take the beam of wood out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. He doesn't tell us necessarily not to judge. He teaches us how to judge. And then he says, don't give what is holy to the dogs or toss it to the pearls or the pigs or they will be trampled on underneath their feet and will tear you to pieces. Okay, so this is this is interesting. This is a, a um, very interesting wording that he is using here uh, in the illustration of judging. You know, I, I always wondered um, about why did why did God put that at the end of that? So He's teaching us how to judge, right? Right. You know, we have to take this the 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 wood out of our own eye before we can ever help our brother in taking out the splinter. And then he says, do not give an, a, a, what is holy to the dogs. Like why, why was that? But there, there is a balance. Okay. Between love and discernment. Yes. Okay. There, there's, there's this balance. Um, this David Guzak, you know, he says, we might say in Jesus name, don't be judgmental, but don't throw out all discernment either. Right. Right. So, you know, and again, when you're when you're dealing with people, when you're dealing with others, it's about doing it in love. Exactly. Just as Jesus did it, it judges us with love through love. Right. He's a just God. Right. He has to judge. It is it is part of his nature. He is a just God. Right. But he does not do it out of anger, out of spite, out of the need to 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 uh, qualify himself or feel better about himself. It is about love. And he expects us, you know, if you go back, um, go back to verse two, it says, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. Yes. So if you're judging people out of spite, out of anger, out of, you know, just pure malice, Guess what? You're going to get the same thing. He expects us to judge, quote, quote unquote, judge. Really, it's more of help. Your brother out of love, let them see what is what is going on. You know, hey, you know, Tyler, you, you're I know you're dealing with this. Listen, man, you really need to, you, you know, you, you're kind of going off a bad path here let you you know we we really need to to realign your worldview here it's out of whack but i can't come to you and tell you that if i'm dealing with my own sin right and not not addressing it myself right yes and that's where that discernment comes in because the judgment he's talking about here is more for correction it's more to realign us and it's we have to use a discerning heart a discerning will because i can't in every season that i'm in go and correct somebody Mm-hmm. because it's not they're not going to receive it 
I can't just go to somebody who I don't know and tell them, hey, you're doing this wrong. You need to redo it because I've not built that relationship with them. I've not done that. And that's where that correction has to come in. We can't go through and we can't just force it on ourselves. And there's a season I was walking through these past couple of months where, and me and my mother-in-law were having this talk the other day. And there was a point where she wanted to correct me. She wanted to come to me and say, hey, I know that you're doing this out of the will of your heart, the goodness of your heart, but these are some different things that we should put up. But she also, she realized through prayer, through talking with God, through that correction that in her discernment, that it wasn't time for her to have that conversation with me. And we have to realize that there is a time and a place for everything. There's a season for everything. There's a time for correction. There's a time for not because when we want to correct people, we see it and we just want to correct them and help them out. Especially with like new Christians, we see them doing something, getting something wrong. We're like, Oh, I, I need to go correct it right then and there. And we're, and if you want to put judgment on that, you can, but that's where the discernment has to come in because not everybody is going to accept it. And if right. they can't accept the correction, there is no point for you to even try. And that's one of the things they talk about was the, uh, the woman who came in and ordered the feet of Jesus with oil. That's in Matthew 26, 6 through 13. And it says a little bit. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, they came to this woman having an alabaster box of precious ointment and he poured it on his head. And long story short, they're like, woman, why would you do this? You know, they, we could have taken that money and sold it and given it to the poor, yada, yada, yada. And the, his disciples, they quickly judged her. They had this harsh, rash judgment and he, they didn't see what she was doing. They didn't see the ultimate purpose. And God has an ultimate purpose yes. in everything. And we have to make sure that our discernment aligns with God's purpose because sometimes if we correct too early or we correct too soon, it then doesn't put, it doesn't align with God's vision and purpose. And we have to make sure that we are judging them correctly because um, David Guzik goes on to say in this study, he says, if we break this command, we then think the worst of others. We speak of their faults. We we judge an entire life only by its worst moments. We then judge by hidden motives. We judge others without considering ourselves in the same circumstances. We judge others without being mindful that we ourselves will be judged. And it's it, there's a lot that goes into this. It's not easy to correct people because you, you want to come at it from that attitude of love, but you also have to come with that attitude of authority that says, hey, I've, I've walked this. I've been there. I have prayed over this discernment and it's, there's a fine line. And this, I feel like this, this is a very hard part of the Sermon on the Mount to grasp. Right. Well, and I think that a lot of times people also take this out of context in the fact that if you notice the terminology that he uses, you know, first take the, the wood beam out of your eye and then you'll be able to see clearly the splinter out of your brother's eye. Okay. So this is not dealing with somebody who is not a Christian. This is this is dealing with a brother or sister in Christ, right? The, a, a fellow Jew, somebody who knows better, right? Somebody who can understand you. And this is this is also the terminology of don't give to what is holy to dogs or toss the pearls underneath uh, for the pigs, or they'll be trampled on underneath their feet. You, you know, and, and I know I know this sounds harsh, but you have to understand culture. Then, okay, it, you know. The Gentiles, they didn't know. They didn't know the law, right? right? So if you went to them and you tried to throw the law in their face, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna trample you. They're gonna wear you smooth out. They don't understand it. They, you can't expect them to understand it. And the same principle today, if you were dealing with a, 
with a non-Christian person, right? You can't come to them the way that I could come to you, Kyler, right? A a fellow brother in Christ. You look at Acts 17. This is one of my favorite examples. You look at at Acts 17, you see Paul in Athens, right? And uh, Paul is preaching to to the Athens and they have, uh, they have all these gods, right? They they have all these statues of gods and, and all these different things. And, and so you see, you see Paul go to the Athens. As a matter of fact, they invited him in. And he's like, hey, I, I noticed that you serve all these gods. He said, I noticed that you have an altar to the unknown God, right? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about him. So he didn't go, you shouldn't be serving all these other gods, right? You, you Shame on you. You know, but you, know, you should know better. He didn't do that. He said, hey, let me tell you about this unknown God, right? And then you see him address the Jews in the same chapter, and, and basically, and of course I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, you flipping morons. Yeah. You, you, you guys know better. You know better than to fall, fall to, to this kind of idol worship, right? And so you, we, when, when we're talking about the, when Jesus is talking about this judgment, it's not about dealing with a non-Christian or somebody who does not understand. It's about dealing with somebody who does. Yes. Right. So we go down to um, verses seven through 12. Okay. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seeking you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Therefore, whatever you whatever you want others to do for you, do the same for them, for this is the law of the prophets. You know, and and, and Jesus is dealing, you know, first he he dealt with you you know how how to talk to people and how to you know now he's he's dealing with you you know coming down and dealing with the 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 issue of of asking for the father from the father the the things that we need you know and understanding it's kind of kind of goes back to the end of chapter six you know and and dealing with understanding that there's no need to worry right so so the end of chapter six dealt with worry and and anxiety and different things like that you know and it says if you know how you who are evil right because we are evil by nature all of us are evil know how to good give good give good gifts to you. how much more will your father in heaven give good to those who ask yes and i like how he puts it um in biblenotes.org you can go through and you can put different verses and it, it kind of gives you an explanation of each verse and their explanation of um asking it will be given says persistence in prayer proves that we care we know that god cares so much that we seek to be like him our persistence in prayer does not deny the truth of uh, Matthew 6, verses 8, where it says the Father knows all things before we ask, but it says the promise here is that he will give us the good gifts and he honors our persistence because the Lord wants us to know that we we care about things. And I always tell my athletes when they come to me, they're like, Corsell, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm nervous before I swim, before I run, before I race. And I tell them, I was like, your nervous shows me that you care, that you care to do well, that you care to do something. And our persistence with our prayer shows that it's something that our heart cares about. And when we go and we ask and we 
ask of the Lord and we continue asking and asking, asking, and it may take us time. It may take him time to get us to where, because our hearts also have to be ready to accept the gift. We can't just expect the gift to be given in every single season because the Lord says, we're not ready for it yet. We're not ready to make it there. We're not ready to, for me to give you the fullness of what you're asking, because then the, the full plan that I have for you cannot be fulfilled. And we have to remember that God's time is still perfect. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we can't ask and we, and he'll give it to us right then and there. But he says, ask and ye shall receive. Right. It doesn't say it'll receive it on your time. It doesn't say that we'll receive it right then when we ask it. It says, ask and you receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened up to you. And I like how in this Bible study, it also says that the idea of knocking applies that there's also a sense of resistance. Uh-huh. And sometimes we, when we, when we ask for something and we feel resistance, we automatically stop. We stop praying for it because we don't think it's the Lord's will, that his will right. cannot be done. And what he wants to see is how long will you pursue this? How much does this mean to you? How much is this blessing that I want to give you? Because he wants to give us the best of this world. But he also wants to know, going back to the last podcast we talked about, chapter six, that we're going to be good stewards of it. Right. And you are going to take care of anything that you earn. If it's just given to you, you don't take care of it as well. But it's something right. that you earned that you've had to work for. The Lord knows that we're going to be stewards of it. So even when you sense that the door is closed to you, you must knock and continue to do so. That way the Lord knows that you're going to. But it also implies, and I love this text part, that he chose to use the door because knocking on a wall serves no purpose. But knocking on a door serves that it can be opened. Oh, that's that good. the path can be opened and that the Lord is going to allow us to walk through that door in his time. When you go to somebody's house, you knock on the door. Sometimes they don't answer just right away. It takes them time to get to the door, just like it takes God time to get us to where we need to be. And um, this, we're in a season now, I know I'm talking a lot about the seasons, but this this applies a lot is we were we were needing a house. We had just sold our house. We were expected the birth of our uh, third baby girl and she was born June 28th and we we knew the house that we were in wasn't going to meet the needs that we had and so I prayed I was like okay God we're going to have to figure this out either want to buy a house that is going to be our forever home or I want to build a house one of the two I don't I don't want to have to move again because I hate moving there's a whole story behind that too but I'll go into that some other time but I hate moving so he provided a way for us to move with my mother-in-law until my wife's family until that happened well this house came for sale and it was a house that was completely, completely out of our budget, completely out of our price range, but it met every single checkbox that we wanted for our forever home. And when it came up for sale, I told our realtor and it came up, it just so happened to come up right as we were selling our house. And I told our realtor, I said, Todd, which we used Todd Henson. And I said, Todd, I'm going to have you put an offer in on this house. I said, it's going to be whatever the Lord tells me to do. And I said, I want you to put an offer in on this house and it may be a sad looking offer for you. I said, I'm just going to be honest with you. You may be embarrassed to put this offer on the table, but I want you to do it. And he said, okay. And so he was, I, I bet the flesh side of him was like crossing his fingers. Please don't let this embarrass me. Please don't let me take this offer Because <laughs> I mean, it was going to be. And so we got, Lacey's kind of like my pusher to help me get things done because I got a lot on my plate. Lacey's my wife. And so she's like, hey, have you done this? Have you got the pre-approval of everything? I was like, no, no, no. I was dragging my feet. And uh, because I really, I didn't have the faith at that time 
that the Lord would provide this house. Because in my head, there was no way that we were going to be able to afford this house. And so, and through the different circumstances, I was knocking because I knew that I, I wanted to go through the door. I knew I wanted the house, but he hadn't prepared me yet, yet to get the house. And so we were going through and I was praying and I, going back to the other verses, I have started praying in the shower during the quiet time because I locked myself away where I have no distractions. I can just focus on me and God. And I started praying. I was like, all right, Lord, if this is the house for us, help us get pre-approved for what we're supposed to get pre-approved for. Help us to, you know, put an offer on this house and just, just give me what you want and let this be your will. I do not want to go into this house. I don't want to get into a difficult to push it on a financial bind. I want your will to be done. So the next day I call our loan officer and I say, okay, here's what I need to do. Here's what we're kind of looking at. Here's what we can be. Uh, here's what I need. And he goes, okay, well, give me some information. I get a call back and he's pre-approved us for more than what the house is worth. And I said, okay. And I still said, right now with interest rates, the payment that he pre-approved for was not something I felt comfortable with. And I said, okay, well, we'll figure it out. So I called my wife and I said, well, we're pre-approved for the amount for the house that we need. I said, however, I don't feel comfortable paying that price. So we need to make sure that we pray and ask God. And he said, okay. Or she said, okay. So I said, I went and I was at work and I locked myself in the bathroom and I prayed because I needed to get an offer in on the house because somebody also had to put an offer in on the same house. I was like, we had to get an offer in and he was like, okay. So I sat there and I prayed 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 and the Lord gave me a number. And I, I just kind of chuckled at this offer because it was 50,000 below the asking price of what they were at. And I was like, no one's going to go for 50,000 below asking price. And he and I just sat there and reflected and I was like, hey, simple obedience, simple obedience. So we put the offer in on the house and I told my wife, my wife was like, that's the offer you're wanting. I said, yes, that's the offer I'm going to go with and that's the offer the Lord has given us. And if he gives us the house, then it's his will. If he doesn't give us the house, it's not his will and that's okay, you know? And so I go back and I, uh, we pray about it. We pray over the house that night and it comes back and she rejects the offer. And I was like, Lord, I know you told me that number. I know that you, you, gave me that number and he so I went I took my shower that night and I was praying again and I was like God I know that this is what I heard from you and I had gone through a season of my life where I was like ah I don't I heard from God but then I also doubted that I heard from God mm-hmm. and so this is one of those solidification seasons as well where hey I'm talking to you you just have to want to teach you yes so he said and I will never forget these words he said offer the same price again and watch me work. <laughs> no, and I, I mean, every single time I tell the story, those words coming out of my mouth sends me chills because he literally said, watch me work. And so this next time though, the only thing we different is we wrote a love letter and we kind of told her the importance of what this home is going to mean to us. And so Todd calls us back and we went and looked at the home again to make sure, you know, this is kind of what we wanted. And he goes, do you want to offer a higher price? And he was thinking we're going to offer a higher price. I'm sure. And I said, no. And he goes, oh, okay. Well, uh, what do you want to do then? I said, you're going to offer the same price again, but this time give this letter. And he said, okay. And so we gave Todd the letter. We emailed Todd the letter. Todd handed it over to her realtor and we kind of did everything. And a little bit of backstory is these were kind of family friends of ours. My grandma had grown up around um, this lady for the longest time. She was her neighbor. And so they kind of knew our family a little bit. And, but I had never got to meet her, or talk to her since I was probably seven or eight. I mean, I was a little guy. And so we sent this letter 
And then the next morning we texted Todd and I said, Todd, what did she say? And he goes, well, um, he said it over there right now to present it to her. I said, okay. So we prayed a little bit more and he texted me probably an hour later and said, she accepted your offer. <laughs> and it was for the exact amount that God had given me when he told me he, and I was like, the Lord, it was just solidification that in his time, it wasn't my time. If he, if he would have answered it right then and there without looking and say, watch me work, I probably would have had, I don't want to say less faith, but I probably would have been like, oh yeah, this was the Lord. But now I can say this was the Lord. Right. Because he gave me that affirmation and it was all from, and I, I mean, it was every single day. As soon as the house came up for sale, I was asking if we could buy this house. I was praying that the Lord, and it was, I, I kept persistence in my prayer because it was something that was worth it to me. And that's what it's talking about here. I know that's a long roundabout story to explain verses seven through 11, but it's true. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Because then he goes down and he starts talking about, it says, everyone who asks receives, Everybody, everyone who seeks finds, and everybody who knocks the door will be open to them. But we have to also remember it's in his time. That's right. Not our time. That's right. Watch him work. <laughs> I love it. Literally. Watch me work. I love it. I love it. So um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to uh, finish and wrap up Matthew chapter 7. We'll be right back after this. This portion of Real Men Talk is brought to you by The Jewelers Bench. They are a full-service jewelry store offering many styles of gold, silver, diamonds, and gemstones. And all jewelry repair is done in-house so you can get your treasured pieces back as soon as possible. They are also a licensed citizen watch dealer. Make sure to visit them today at 1353 North Westwood or call 573-686-1522. Call or stop in and thank them for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion. Dispatch, this is Delta 15. I pulled over a possible 10851, white female driving a light blue SUV. Appears very agitated. Please be advised I'm approaching the vehicle now. Why did you stop me? I didn't do anything. It was that moron up there who pulled in front of me. He didn't even use his turn signal. Ma'am, please keep your hands in plain sight and hand me your license, slowly. Fine, here. Uh, Mrs. Smith and your vehicle registration. What for? I didn't do anything wrong. Your registration, please. Oh, hang on, let me find it. Here. Oh, I see you own this vehicle. Of course I own this car. Why did you pull me over? You have a Jesus is Lord and a WWJD bumper sticker on your car. When I saw you yelling obscenities and such at that other driver, I naturally assumed the car was stolen. My mistake. Have a nice day. Do people see Jesus in you? Another message from Lifeline Productions, located on the web at lifelinepro.com.
This portion of The Real Men Talk is brought to you by R.L. Persons Construction. For over 29 years, they have been a regional leader completing projects that include private, municipal, state, and federal agencies of all types. From mass grading, utilities, concrete of all types, to buildings both conventional and pre-engineered steel. You can expect excellence in all aspects of their finished work. Contact them today at 573-686-1323 and let them know you appreciate them bringing you Real Men Talk. If you have a question about this week's show, please drop us an email to realmen at palaceofpraise.com. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the show with Anthony and Kyler. What is going on, guys? Welcome back. So um, we're going to continue uh, Matthew chapter 7 and um, Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate of the, is wide, and the road is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate, and difficult is the road that leads to life, and few find it. You know, and this is, this is honestly, this is heart-wrenching. Um, we were talking about this first just the other day. I was, um, I teach a Sunday school class, uh, an apologetic Sunday school class, and, and we were, we were going over some stuff, you know, and and we were discussing how there are just some people that will just simply reject the gospel as, as hard as that is to come to come to as hard as that of a realization that is to grasp a hold of, it's just simply fact, you know, and it's because the, the way to destruction is easier, right? But, there was a quote, and I put it on on our Facebook page. I don't know if you've seen it, Kyler, or not, but it said uh, it, it was a quote from Greg Rochelle. And it said, "Growth and comfort cannot coexist." And I thought that was so powerful. It was such a good, uh, good quote, you know. But it's kind of the same thing. Everything that's worth having is worth working for. Yes, right. Everything that is that is worth uh, that is good is worth you know is worth the hard road. Well, the the lie the road may be difficult that leads to Jesus, but it is worth it, yes. right? A, a, a million times over, it is worth it, you know. And, and as many people that will follow the culture and will follow the crowd to a a, a wide gate of destruction, we want to take as many people as we possibly can to this narrow road. And even if it's hard, they need to understand this road is worth it. You know, then it says, uh, you go down to, uh, 15 it says, be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are raving wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit, um, by their fruit are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles in the same way. Every good tree produces good fruit and bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into fire, so you'll recognize them by their fruit. Yeah, and you know, this is kind of this is kind of going back to the beginning of this chapter. You will know somebody by the fruit that they that they bear, right? You will know, you will understand, you'll be able to tell a type of person um by the the fruit the the fruit that they produce 
um, you know, and you have to be just as as cutting, just as watchful, just as discernment today as they did then. Right. I guess we, we see Jesus trying to change the culture. Right. He's trying to change the culture. He's trying to show people, hey, you want to know if this teacher is 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 good, is is from the Lord? What kind of fruit is he producing? Exactly. But that also goes back on us is that we have to make sure that we are diving into our word, that we are only speaking truth, that we are praying God to reveal truth to us, because there's a lot of people who are going to come in and they're going to try to have false teachings. And we have to make sure that we are aware of that. And there's a lot. It's so hard, especially in today's world, because everything seems so they want everything to seem so happy, everything to seem so. Yeah, but it's my truth and my truth is it, yeah. anyways. Yeah, but we have to make sure that we are diving into what God's word is. And if it goes contrary to the word of God, if it goes anywhere other than the word of God, then we know that it's not the word. And if you look at Galatians five sixteen through 25, it talks about, it says in verse 16, I won't read the whole thing, but it says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Yes. If they are in conflict with, with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Okay. Yes. And he's going to make sure that's obvious. But the acts of the spirit are love, joy, peace. We want to make sure that if if it goes against anything, if you're if you're going up against resistance in a bad way, then it's probably a false teaching. It's probably something you should not be doing. If it's going against the Bible, if it's going against, if it's pulling you from church, if it's pulling you from time with God, it's going against the order of God. And you have to make sure that you are watching for that. That's right. And why? Because the Bible is truth. It is the embodiment of truth because it is the word of God, right? And so, and we can get off on that whole tangent, you know, in a different podcast. As a matter of fact, we've we've covered it. Why you can trust the the the, the word of God and 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 it and its accuracy and authority. Man, I can't talk. Um, but because it is the truth, right? If it does not go with, if it does not, if it does not coincide with the word of God then it it doesn't you don't you don't need it you don't need it it's not it's not good it's not producing good fruit because there is no truth outside of Jesus therefore there is no truth outside of the word of God because in the beginning was the word the word was with God the word was God yes so Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 it says um, not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Right? That That is such a... It, it gives me chills every time I read it. Yes. Like, it is terrifying. Um, but it's also saddening, too, because it's a truth. Yes, it's, we think that we are living the best life. We think that we are, you know, we're we're good people. But the fact of the matter is that if you are not in alignment with God, he, he doesn't know you mm-hmm. because we have to work in alignment with him. And that's just, it's, it's sad. It is sad. Even, even the devil knew God. He knew, he knows the word. He knows exactly the story. And yet 
if you if he was to look at him and say, Lord, Lord, or any of the people that follow him, they're going to say that I never knew you. And he was the most beautiful angel in heaven. I mean, he was this big thing. And for him to even look at God and God say, I don't, I never knew you. Right. And yeah. as a something that you created, just imagine how hard that would be. You create something and you create it as good, but then you have to look at it and say, I don't know you. I don't, right. I don't know what you become. I don't know what you're doing. Depart from me. And it's almost like, I, I, I kind of think of like that as we, we correct the people around us, even with our children. And sometimes we have to tell them and we have to correct them. It says, even if we have to tell them to, to go away from us until they are corrected, then we have to do that. And that's, that's the part that's hard is we have to make sure that we are working in sync with God at all times. That's right. You know, and it, and it has to deal with your relationship with Jesus. Um, Charles Spurgeon said, if preaching could save a man, Judas would not have been damned. If prophecy could save a man, Balaam would not have been cast away. You know, and because you can, uh, again, you can you can tell people that, that Jesus is good. If you're not serving Jesus, right? If you're not living for Jesus, if you do not have Jesus in your heart, you, you know, it says that... Um, uh, this David Guzak said, Jesus didn't seem to doubt their claims to doing the, the miraculous. He didn't say, you didn't really prophesy or cast out demons or do miracles. This leads us to understand that sometimes miracles are granted through uh, pretended believers, reminding us that the, fi- the final analysis, miracles prove nothing. Now, I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know that I completely 100% agree with that, but the, the point that he is making, right. The, and this is where, where we want to get to the point that he is making is that the things that they did in the name of the Lord, right. Was not with the, the either, either a, it was not with the full intent of, of the name of Jesus, right. It was not with the full intent of bringing glory to the Lord, they didn't true or they fell away. Right. And so, uh, you know, some people like to would like to argue that, you, you know, whatever, that that could be a different conversation. If you if you disagree, email me and um, I would I'd love to talk to you about it. But anyways. But understanding that that just because you you try to do good things again, sacrifice or obedience is better than sacrifice. You we talked about this in the last podcast. Um, you bring it up, Saul, and all that stuff. He wants our our submission to him more than he wants our services to him, right? Our services should come to him through our obedience in him. Yes, right. Not not our service to him because we want to get glory through him, right? But we we are driven by gratitude in our obedience to him to do service. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. Good. I love how uh, Justin Trapp um, put in his book. He said, there are those who speak like angels, but live like devils. They have Jacob's smooth tongue, but Esau's rough hands. Mm. We have to make sure that we are looking inside of ourselves too, because even what we say, and it goes back to the, that um, our words bring life and death is we have to make sure that even what we say is not a false witness to what God wants, to mm-hmm. God's will. And that's where that discernment comes in, is we have to make sure that what we are saying is what the Lord wants us to say, not what we need to say, that that correction comes in time, 
that what um, we're doing is really God's will. That's right. That's right. And so we go down to uh, verses 24 through 29. Um, It says, therefore, anyone who hears the words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the river rose and the winds blew and pounded the house, yet it didn't collapse because the foundation was on a rock. But everyone who hears uh, the words of mine and doesn't act on them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the river rose, the wind blew the and pounded the house and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. Then Jesus finished saying these things and the crowds were astonished by his teaching. Um, but the, when you get back to, to this, the house, so I lo- I actually heard a, uh, a study on this today about how it's a hyperlink to the flood, right? And you look at, at Noah being the wise man, right? And the rains came and the winds blew and all this stuff. And because he his foundation was on the Lord, he was saved versus the ones who did not have their heart on the Lord. When the rain started coming, they were all scared, Right? When that when that first raindrop hit, and they're like, "Oh man, Noah was right." Like they were they were afraid, but it was done too late. But they they weren't afraid because they they were surrendering themselves to the Lord. They were afraid because they didn't want judgment, right? right. And and so and it talks about you, you know, and you see Jesus giving this analogy of uh, of this man who built his house on rock, and Jesus is our foundation, and without him, we are doomed, right. But I also like how in this analogy, they both, their their ultimate purpose was the same. Their ultimate purpose was to build a home, was to finish their houses. And they both undertook it. They both persevered to the build, to um, preserve the building. They both finished the building. However, in the end, only one stood. That's right. They both had the same outcome. They both had the same, or they both could have had the same outcome. They both were um, given the same conditions but one thrived and one didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to realize is everybody's given the same chance. Everybody is given the yes. same option to accept God as their personal savior, Jesus Christ. However, not everybody's going to do so. Not everybody is going to choose to build their house upon the solid foundation. Some are going to choose to be wishy-washy. They're going to be the ones that come to church on Easter and Christmas time to um, check their boxes off. But we have to remember that we're all given the same opportunity, just like, both of these men were. However, what we do with the opportunity that's given to us is going to be what harmed is, is what's going to ultimately decide the factor on if he looks at us and says, I never knew you or come in my good and faithful servant. And that we have to remember that because Jesus warns us that there are times in our lives that our foundations are going to be shaken. That's right. He never promises that we're going to have a perfect life. There are times that we're going to have storms and there are times that we're going to have you know, seasons of blessings, mm-hmm. but depending on what, what we allow, or what we choose as our foundation is going to ultimately decide the outcome once we leave this earth. That's right. That's right. You know, and we want to make sure that we have our foundations built on that rock, you know, and, and it's kind of the hyperlink, you know, later on we, we see that Jesus is the cornerstone you, you know, and you see that it's kind of the, the same analogy, you know, this, this word rock and, and, and cornerstone, um, being, being the built, you, you know, it is, and it's all talking about the foundation, right? It's talking about the foundations on which we are built. And, um, 
if those foundations are not, and it does not matter what it is, it does it does not matter if our foundation is not built on Jesus Christ, it will not stand. It will not stand the test of time. It will not. It will not stand in when the rapture happens. You know, just got just like just like Noah, when the rapture happens, when that that moment hits, there will be people that that claim to be Christians. There there will be people that that were sitting in a Sunday pew every Sunday, and they'll be like, "Oh man, I was wrong. I I really should have built my house on the rock. I really should have." have put my my trust in Jesus instead of just just making myself feel better by by checking my spiritual time clock you know and it's all about it, it is all about um that foundation and then you go down to verse 28 and 29 it says when Jesus had finished saying these things and it's talking about the the whole the whole sermon on the mount okay um the crowds were astonished at his teachings because he was teaching them like like one who had authority and not like their scribes. Okay, so so I want I want to to bring kind of bring this in full circle here. You know, we've been talking about how Jesus th- this entire sermon on the mount, the purpose that Jesus was trying to fulfill was to to change the culture, right? And you see this how the crowds were astonished at his teachings because they were he was not teaching them. Um, like uh, it says because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes let that one sink in for just a minute like one who had authority but not like their scribes um the it says uh whatever god's word is presented as it is as it truly is with its inerrant power it will astonish people and set itself apart from mere, mere opinions of man. That was David Guzak. Um, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, two things that surprised them, the substance of his teaching and the manner of it. They had never heard such doctrine before. Again, Jesus trying to change the culture. The, the precepts which had been given there were quite new to their thoughts but their main astonishment was the was his manner. There was certainly a power, a weight about it, such they had never seen before, right? And that was Charles Spurgeon, and um, you know, and so you see this. Not only not only was did Jesus use just just his his teaching to change the culture, but his his mere manner, the way that he was so confident in what he was saying. I, I think about this often. Could you imagine what it would be like, even even though Jesus was one hundred percent man, being one hundred percent God, He was perfect, right? Could you imagine what it would have sounded like to hear the words of the Lord come directly out of His mouth, the power and the love at the same time? You know, it's kind of like the 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 whole um, the. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the the kingdom, or will inherit the earth. Right, you know, and that that word meek kind of gives that that uh, a strong personality under control. You know, it kind of gives that. I I think of that whenever I think about Jesus teaching, and and what power had to have been behind it, but there was such grace and love in it at the same time. 
Yes. And I think there's also a warning too at the very end in that Matthew 7, 28, 29. Um, Alexander Bruce says, the scribes spoke by authority, resting all they said on traditions on what had been said before, but Jesus spoke with authority. Yes. It also comes with the warning though that we we have to watch who we give authority to say things in our lives. Yes. Oh, that's good. We can't just allow traditions to dictate what we believe. Mm-hmm. This is the way we've always done it. This is how we've always are going to do it. We can't just dictate that the pastor's up there and everything that he's speaking is truth. I'm not saying that all pastors are bad or that some pastors are bad, but we have to make sure that we are discerning on who we give authority into our lives who we allow to speak life into our lives. Because back then, the scribes spoke by authority because that's what was rested on them. They were given that because they they thought that, that was accurate, that that was truth. But when Jesus started speaking, he spoke with the authority. Yes. Because he was the authority. He is the authority. And we have to make sure that as we discern, especially as men, we have to make sure that what we are allowing to speak authority into our lives, because we're going to, whatever speaks authority into our lives is going to bleed over into the authority of what we speak into our family. Yes. And we can't just allow certain authorities to speak, to, to inhabit the praise of what we deem as truth. Yes. We have to make sure that we are discerning that because it's so, so important as leaders of our households to make sure that whatever, and I know I'm kind of going about around this saying in different ways, but I, I want you to get the point that we can't just let people speak authority into our lives willy-nilly because it sounds good. Right. Make sure that you go back and you make sure that it matches with the authority that Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Bible. What what goes against God's word is not authority. Right. And you should always check everybody. Your pastor, real men talk. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. You should you should check it because the in the end of the day, the end of the day, your salvation is based between you and Jesus Christ. You know, sermons are good. You you know, podcasts are good. uh, Your books are good. All that stuff. But at the end of the day, it is your job to make sure that what you are listening to coincides with the Word of God, because it is the final authority just as Jesus spoke with the authority, the word of God is the authority. So I, I hope you guys liked um, the, this study through uh, through um, Manhood on the Mount, um, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. If you have not listened to the other podcasts, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to uh, Manhood on the Mount, part 1, 2, and 3. Um, uh, if you guys have got any questions, email us, realmenatpalacepraise.com. We would love to to hear from you um if you're listening you know just check in be like hey i'm a listener from you know wherever and uh we, we would love to hear from you we would love to to uh get to know you and um and you know again email us real men at palaceofpraise.com you can also find us on facebook twitter instagram and um and you know we, we if you've if you've enjoyed this podcast please like it share it you, you know, give us a, a, a rating and um, the more that it is liked, shared and rating, not only with the people that you shared it with, but also just in general, the more that it is shared and liked and, and rated, it goes to the top of the chart. So it's more accessible to people um, 
who have, you, you know, for instance, uh, not too long ago, we had a guy that uh, come to us that he had found our podcast while he was in prison. And, you know, it's, it, it's made that, you know, it has made its way that way because of you guys, because of the listeners who has shared it and who has liked it and who has, has rated it and, um, and, and is following it. We, we appreciate and we love you. I want you to know that, you know, we, we give God all the glory and all the praise for what he's doing. Um, but you are a part of this too. And we appreciate you. Um, and as always, I want to enter a prayer. Holy Spirit, guide us to be leaders of our homes of our communities and of our churches and teach us to be godly, courageous men. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Real Men Talk, brought to you by Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you would like to get in touch with us, shoot us an email, realmenatpalaceofpraise.com or visit our website at palaceofpraise.com. If you're a man age 16 and up and would like to be a part of the conversation, join us at the Palace of Praise every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. If you don't have a home church, consider joining us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Palace of Praise is located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. New episodes of Real Men Talk drop every Thursday at 5 p.m. You can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Amazon, and more. Real Men Talk is a production of Palace Media Service. Real Men Talk has been brought to you this week by RLP Construction in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For commercial contracting of all types, see RLP Construction today. And by the Jewelers Bench in Poplar Bluff. They are your one-stop shop for all your fine jewelry needs. They also do in-house repair and are your citizen watch dealer. Make sure to thank our sponsors for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion.